The less that people aimed for perfect, the more productive they became. It turns out that trying harder isn't the answer. Grinding more isn't the solution. Chronic starters can become consistent finishers. Welcome to Philosopher Insights, the podcast that delivers wisdom in minutes a day that you can put into practice daily and strive to master over a lifetime. The podcast committed to sharing ideas that encourage you to bridge the gap between who you are today and the person you aspire to be in the future. Hi, my name is Herb Lamba and welcome to my podcast where I will share practical insights from the world's best authors. Knowledge isn't power, applied knowledge is. The quest to become the best version of you starts right now. Hi and welcome to Philosopher Insights. My name is Herb Lamba. Today we're discussing finish. Give yourself the gift of done. The author is John Acuff. The book is published in 2017. I want to share a number of my favorite insights from this book, starting with day after perfect, cut the goal in half, fun goals win, hiding places, noble obstacles, beware of secret rules, use the data, the three fears of perfection, and finish it off with a final thought. So let's start with the introduction. Quote, I thought the biggest problem was the phantom of fear that prevented them from beginning. If I could just nudge them across the starting line, everything would work out. Fear was the ghost holding them back, and starting was the only way to beat it. I was half right. The start does matter. The beginning is significant. The first few steps are critical, but they aren't the most important. Do you know what matters more? Do you know what makes the start look silly and easy and almost insignificant? The finish. According to studies, 92% of New Year's resolutions fail. Every January, people start with hope and hype, believing that this time will be the new year that does indeed deliver a new you. But though 100% start, only 8% finish. Statistically, you've got the same shot at getting into Juilliard to become a ballerina as you do at finishing your goals. What was astonishing to me is something that should be more apparent to all of us. The exercises that caused people to increase their progress dramatically were those that took the pressure off. Those that did away with the crippling perfectionism that caused people to quit their goals. Whether they were trying to lose a pant size, write more content on a blog, or get a raise, the results were the same. The less that people aimed for perfect, the more productive they became. It turns out that trying harder isn't the answer. Grinding more isn't the solution. Chronic starters can become consistent finishers. The practical lessons the research taught me about what it takes to really finish are so counterintuitive that most of them will feel like shortcuts. You'll feel like you're cheating or that what you're doing doesn't count, end quote. I captured this from the introduction of this unexpected gem. It was unexpected because I had never heard of this author, nor this book. But something made me crack it open at the library. I read one paragraph and I was hooked. Because John Acuff combines both humor with counterintuitive advice that helps you recognize the importance of finishing the things you start, and why so many of us fail to do it consistently. Insight number one, the day after perfect. Quote, if you interview people about why they quit their goals, they all use similar language. I fell behind and couldn't get back on track. Life just got in the way and my plans got derailed. The project jumped the tracks and got too messy to fix. The words might be different, but they're all saying the redundant same thing. When it stopped being perfect, I stopped too. You missed one day of your diet and then decided the whole thing was dumb. You were too busy to write one morning and so you put your unfinished book back on the shelf. 
You lost one receipt and then gave up on your entire budget for the month. This is the first lie that perfectionism tells you about your goals. Quit if it isn't perfect. End quote. I love it when the author's wisdom slaps me in the face. I could share so many examples of this in my own life, but my favorite is making a commitment to work out every day, and then after I miss one day, I convince myself that I screwed up the week. So let's lie on the couch and eat Oreo cookies while watching mindless television until next week. Next week, it's game on. Acuff argues that we need to let go of perfectionism and embrace imperfection if we want the reputation of a finisher. The secret to transforming chronic starters into reliable finishers is learning to tolerate imperfection. The day after perfect is the day the chronic starter gives up. Quote, Day two is when I see the largest drop-off. Why that day? Because imperfection doesn't take long to show up. Imperfection is fast, and when it arrives, we usually quit. That is why the day after perfect is so important. The day after perfect is what separates finishers from starters. End quote. Insight number two. Cut the goal in half. Quote, so what's the worst that would happen if you cut your goal in half or gave yourself more time? We already know the best that could happen. You'd improve your odds of success by 63%. But would the world fall apart if you did less or it took longer? This idea definitely goes against every goal-setting bit of wisdom you've ever heard. I know that, but remember, we're trying to do two things here. One is finish, and two is beat perfectionism. Cutting your goal in half is kryptonite for perfectionism. It makes absolutely no sense and sends a bright flare into the night about your intentions. Not only are you refusing to give in to perfectionism, you're setting yourself up for success before you've even started. End quote. It is such counterintuitive advice that goes against goal-setting best practices. But if the objective is to reduce our chances of quitting on our goal, then maybe this is sound advice that merits further exploration and experimentation. Quote, 90% of the people who cut their goals in half said they had an increased desire to work on their goal. It encouraged them to keep going, and it motivated them to work harder because the goal seemed attainable. End quote. These were the results from one of John's 30-day hustle challenges, and what he found consistently is people felt great about their achievement and were motivated to continue, even though the goal was reduced to half of the original goal. It's okay to think big, but don't be afraid to commit to small. You may feel like you're cheating, but you remain motivated, inspired, and continue to get results. Insight number three, fun goals win. Quote, why in the world would anyone ever pick a goal they didn't enjoy? Why would someone pick something boring or painful or frustrating as their New Year's resolution? It's because perfectionism is sneaky. Perfectionism believes that the harder something is, the more miserable something is, the better it is. The fourth lie it tells you is, fun doesn't count. The crazy thing is that the aggressively non-fun approach doesn't work. It might make you look good on Instagram as you impress your friends with your miserable grind, but scientifically speaking, joyless goals fail. Fun not only counts, but it's necessary if you want to beat perfectionism and get to the finish. End quote. The research from the 30-Day Hustle Challenge indicated that choosing a goal you think is enjoyable increases your likelihood of satisfaction by 31%. The second benefit to picking something you enjoy is that it increases performance success by 46%. It is time to ask a very important question. How could this goal be more fun? Fun should be a prerequisite built into all your goals, and if you are not having fun in pursuit of a goal, 
take a moment and re-ask the question, how could this goal be more fun? Motivational speakers and self-help gurus constantly remind us of the importance of hard work, persistence, and discipline, but they fail to mix fun into the equation. Insight number four, hiding places. Quote, a hiding place is the safe place you go to hide from your fear of messing up. It's the task that lets you get your perfectionism fixed by making you feel successful even as you avoid your goal. Some hiding places are easily spotted as the unproductive traps they are. If you're watching Netflix every time it's time for you to do X, that's a hiding place. You're afraid to face the fear of imperfection that comes along with every endeavor, so you're hiding from it by doing something that requires no skill. Other hiding places can look like productivity, but they're deceptive, like quicksand. Quicksand doesn't look that different from a regular beach. Hiding places are tricky like that. They make you feel like you're doing well when in reality you're not getting anywhere on your most important projects. End quote. I hope this has you thinking about your own hiding places. The one that came to mind for me was to check email because for some reason, email seems important enough to be the perfect hiding place for not getting started on what I declared most important. Insight number five, noble obstacle. Quote, a noble obstacle is what perfectionism throws at you next if you deal with the hiding places. It's the very good reason you cannot pursue your goal. Perfectionism will tell you, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it right. In the first kind of noble obstacle, perfectionism sneakily tells you that you cannot move toward your goal until you do something else. I can't do X until Y. In the second kind, perfectionism tells you that reaching your goal could actually produce bad results to make you a bad person. Deciding that you can't write your book until you've read the top 100 business books of all time is a noble obstacle, end quote. Beware of the noble obstacles in your life that are preventing you from moving towards your dream. The last one I faced personally was when I decided to start this podcast, which, by the way, was about four months before I actually started. So maybe I didn't really decide. Nonetheless, I convinced myself that I couldn't start until I had the proper microphone. You don't want to sound like crap right out of the gate. I wasted months researching microphones. Now that you know that noble obstacles exist, beware of them as you pursue your life's biggest goals. What noble obstacles are standing in your way right now? Insight number six, beware of secret rules. Quote, perfectionism loves to distract us, and what better way than confusing your real goal with some fake secret rules? During the research for this book, secret rules kept coming to the surface, especially around weight loss goals. One woman told me, there was this number I was constantly chasing and it drove me crazy. Her secret rule that she wasn't successful unless she met that number goal haunted her for so long that she finally gave up and had to figure out what she really wanted. The number wasn't what she wanted. I wanted health. I wanted to prevent diabetes, heart disease, and everything else my mother was taking medication for. Getting to the heart of the goal allowed her to connect her heart to the results. If you're not excited about your goal right now, ask yourself, what is my real goal? Make sure that what you're chasing is actually what you want to catch, end quote. Secret rules ultimately end up being your enemy to success. In the book, Acuff shares numerous examples of secret rule. Winners never quit. If I'm talented at something, it doesn't count. And you can't make money in creative arts. It is these rules that have no basis in reality, but if you are not aware of them, they will destroy your progress. Once you've identified your secret rules, it's time to take a hatchet to them. 
Perfectionism will persist in your life until you challenge these secret rules by asking questions. Questioning your secret rules exposes them to the truth and allows you to free yourself from their grasp. Insight number seven, use the data. Quote, that's the funny thing about failure. It's loud. Progress, on the other hand, is quiet. It whispers. Perfectionism screams failure and hides progress. That's the reason a little data can make a big difference. It helps you see through perfectionism's claims that you're not getting anywhere and helps you celebrate your achievements. Without data, progress virtually disappears. The problem is what I call the candle effect. When you light a candle in a pitch black room without windows, the effects are dramatic. Going from complete dark to complete light is substantial progress. Lighting a second candle has a big effect too, albeit not as big. The diminishing continues until the impact of the new candle is hardly noticed. We want our goals to have compounding interest, not diminishing returns. We hope that with each passing accomplishment, the progress will grow and momentum will build. But that's rarely how things go. Perfectionism uses these shrinking levels of success as proof that things aren't going well, end quote. I love that, and I love the power of using data in our lives to measure progress. Data won't lie. Data can't lie. All it can do is combat your perfectionism with the truth. Data cuts through your emotions, which are notorious for lying and giving you a false impression of how things are really going. Quote, data would tell us the truth and perfectionism can't stand the truth. That's why we hate data, because for years, perfectionism has demonized it. What if data wasn't trying to ruin your day? It was trying to save your life. End quote. Insight number eight. Three fears of perfection. Number one, the fear of what happens next. Quote, sometimes you're not afraid of the finish. You're afraid of what happens after the finish. It's one thing to complete your book. It's another thing to have that book open to feedback from strangers on Amazon. Strangers can't critique your thing if it's never done. It's easier to hide your idea in a box under your bed than it is to share it with the world. End quote. As difficult as this may sound, we have to learn to worry about what happens next after we finish the important goal we are striving towards now. The moment you get too far in front of the present moment is when you start to feel that anxiety and worry about what comes next. You are playing right into perfectionism's hands. Number two, the fear that it won't be perfect. Quote, I read 7.9 of the eight Harry Potter books. Not sure what that means? You must be a normal person. I didn't want the series to end and was afraid that the ending wouldn't be amazing. So I got right up to the line, read thousands of pages, and then I quit. This happens with books and movies and goals because perfectionism throws one last pitch at you. As you round the last corner, it gets louder. Oh, almost done. How exciting. I hope it's everything you want it to be. Wouldn't that be terrible if it wasn't? Can you imagine? That would be a letdown. End quote. You have to ignore perfectionism when it is screaming at you trying to predict that something you want so badly in life won't be good enough. Nobody really knows the outcome until after, and you cannot let perfectionism convince you that it knows in advance. Number three, the fear of what now? Quote, when people say it's lonely at the top, I think they're referring to the unbelievably heavy sense of what now that lands on you after you accomplish something. The first fear, what's next, is about what happens to the goal you've finished. Dreaming about a business is a lot easier than actually finishing and opening one. What now is about finding a new goal entirely. 
If you have a single-minded focus on some goal and suddenly it's done, what do you do now? Don't let the fear of what's next steal the joy of finishing what's now. Don't let perfectionism distract you with a fictional second goal when you've got a real one almost done. End quote. I love how Acuff exposes the games that perfectionism plays to try and pull us off track. It is easy to get distracted by what may be next for you. But those are thoughts you address once you've achieved the goal in front of you today. Insight number eight, final thought. Quote, Why do I believe in finishing? Because I believe in you. I believe there's more. Scratch that. I believe there's a lot more. Why do I believe that? Because I've seen it a thousand times in a thousand different people working on a thousand different goals. And if you try even a tenth of the things we talked about in this book, you'll get to see it too. Starting is fun, but the future belongs to finishers. Ready to be one? End quote. That concludes the insights I wanted to share from Finish. Give yourself the gift of done by John Acuff. If you found these insights valuable, please look at applying at least one of them to your life and go out and get this book. You will love it. You've been listening to Philosopher Insights with your host, Herb Lambert. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To go deeper with me, you can register for free at www.philosopherinsights.com for instant access to a growing library of Philosopher Insights, which are 8-10 to 10 page PDFs, plus 20-minute MP3s that break down my favorite insights from the world's best personal development books. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Facebook at Optimal Herb. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.